Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Oh, church, you're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory, hallelujah. We ought to celebrate the truth and the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God that he fights for you. He fights for me. What an amazing God. So glad to be together. 12 Stone Live across the campuses here at Sugarloaf, 12 Stone Home, wherever you are gathering. God has something for us today. Listen in. Say, oh God, do a work in me today. Awaken me to the things of your kingdom. I was five years old <laughs> when our family moved uh, to another rental house. Uh, we were on the poor side of life. We moved to Mason Street in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had two older brothers and a younger sister. And we lived in that house for about five years through my fifth grade. And in those years, in that neighborhood, we were at war. Okay, that's probably a little dramatic to say we were at war, but, but there was a war for me. Two houses down lived the Schultz family, and the, the Schultz family house, um, their, their house was neglected, kind of like a, an abandoned car on a farm. You get the idea. And the, the, the gossip in the community was that their, theirs was the drug house. And Johnny Schultz, he was a year older than me. And he was a bully. I mean, I look back and, you know, he, I get it. I mean, he was just another broken boy in a broken house. And hurting people hurt people. But such was the case that I knew that when I walked to school that four or five blocks, that if, if, if Johnny found me, Johnny was going to pick a fight and I was going to lose. Now, I was scrappy. Okay, but I was small. <laughs> Just to give you a sense of it, here's a picture my mom threw, kept in the scrapbook. You can figure out where I am. Uh, I'm on what you're looking at, the far left. My older brother, Randy, in the, the middle, then Ron. Randy's three years older. Ron's 18 months older, and I was waiting for the growth spurt. Still am. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. And, and so, so if I forgot... Uh, <laughs> Any particular day that I went to school and I was like, oh man, life is awesome. And then I see Johnny, I realize, oh, hang on, I have an enemy. I'm in a war. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying to us in Ephesians chapter 6. When you go about your normal life, sometimes you can forget that you have an enemy and you're in a war and that's happening all the time around you. We started the book of Ephesians in September. We spent 12 weeks in the book. We've unpacked it, put a little pause over Christmas and, and New Year's, and we're back in. And there's an overview that Jason gave us, a reminder in this book of Ephesians as to how it's laid out. The first three chapters are theology, this deep, rich, theological truth. That though we are fallen and far from God due to sin, Jesus, King of the universe, Son of God, always existent, left heaven, came to earth, 
to be our Messiah, died on the cross, rose from the dead. Hallelujah. By the way, that right there deserves something, everybody. That deserved a yay, God. My gracious. How, how could he be so kind and merciful to us? And so we're restored to him. We, our identity is him. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And now we are on mission. And we got this practical living, chapters 4 to 6. This is the wisdom of God. This is how you think. This is now how you set godly values. This is the framework for a lifestyle that wins in a world that's losing. And yet he tags it at the end. And he puts this little war thing in there. But it's not really a tag at the end. It's the whole point. It's the big deal. We are at war. Say it with me, everybody. We are what? We are at what? War. So you go to school. You're at war. In the spiritual sense of reality, you're in a spiritual war. In other words, you dismiss the uh, matrix blue ignorance is bliss pill and you took the red one. <laughs> and now you understand the reality of life. You understand how this whole thing fits together. You, you and I are in a spiritual war. And, 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 and when you go to school, when you come home, when you go to work, when you come home, the activity of your life, your decision making, all that you're invested in relationally in the life, you're, you are at war. Live like you understand the world you're in. You come to faith in Christ. You have changed your mind. You see the world for what it is. And there's a spiritual war happening all around you. That's where Jason left off last week. With a reminder from my prayer partner, Sima, what is true is that the gospel, Chris Morgan often says, the gospel is a love story set in the backdrop of war. It's where we are. And then Jason ended with verse 12 of chapter 6. Let's pick up right there and go to verse 13 through 17. And listen, the moment you know you're in a war, what do you need? Armor and weapons. What do you need? Armor and weapons. What do you need? Armor and weapons. If you're a 12 stone home, you're sitting around with friends or family, whoever. So you got to fill in the blank with me. Everybody here in 12 stone live. When you go to war, what do you need? Armor and weapons. That, so this is the obvious next. Therefore, in other words, since you are in a spiritual war with the common enemy, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, which is every day, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. That's the point. You got to stand firm with what? The belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Now he has a final thought, but we're going to pause on that. And I want to walk you through a quick, what's Paul trying to say? What, what he's telling us is, is that you're in a spiritual war and you need armor but it's a spiritual war. And, and so he, understand, here's the physical war. I'm going to use a Roman soldier 
uh, armor illustration. That's what Paul's saying. And when you look at the, the armament of a Roman soldier, just think of the things God's done for you spiritually as your protection, your defense, and a little bit of your offense even. So you have a helmet. You're, you're a warrior. So let me walk you through this. So you have the helmet of salvation. What does that mean? We, well, just like a warrior puts on a helmet, you're there to, it's there to protect your, your head, to protect your mind. You are in a war for your mind. See, the evil one is trying to get inside your thinking, how you process how you make decisions. And you, and you need to protect your mind. The evil one wants to form how you set your identity, establish a family, how you date, how you get married, how you do a married life, how you parent, how you handle money, sexuality. What is sex? How do you manage that honorably? What is purity? Character. All of that's happening in your mind. So how will you filter the world? Ah, oh, you better get on the helmet of salvation. The Jesus who loves you and gave his life for you and now covers you and protects your mind. So protect your mind from the world's corrupt thinking. Breastplate of righteousness. That would go from your neck to your waist. It would cover your internal organs from being cut up and, and, and undone and, and defeated by the evil one, but it's really about your heart. See, this is a war for your heart, so guard your heart. Guard your affections. Love God with all, with what everybody? All. Not just a little bit of you. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. See, this spiritual war will let you be religious, but will not let you be passionate. But if you're not passionate, you're not in love with God, then, then you don't have this breastplate of righteousness because what you're about is what is right. Guard your heart and make your emotions, even your emotions, bow to righteousness. Guard yourself with the belt of truth. The belt of truth, yes, because the belt holds everything together. Truth holds everything together. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When he speaks, it's the truth. Anyone, anything that disagrees with Jesus, it's a lie. Don't fall for it. Belt your life with his truth. The shield of faith. Oh, get the shield up. You're going to need that. Listen, not only is Satan your enemy, but you're his enemy. So you're his target. He's got flaming arrows. He's seeking to tempt you with greed, bitterness, anger, sexual sins, gossip, slander, division, even in the church particularly in the church. A lying tongue, materialism, prayerlessness, aimlessness. It's his agenda to make you a fool. So keep your shield of faith up to stop Satan's arrows. Stand your ground. Oh, the warrior put on shoes and it would often have spikes that would help him navigate rough terrain. Help him stand and then push forward. You're going to need all of that. Now, every warrior would, would put on the armor and, and put on the full armor of God. That's why many people in their faith almost walk through. Oh, I need to do this today to get all my whole armor because I'm in a spiritual war. But I not only need armor, I need weapons. I not only need armor, I need what? Weapons. So he finishes Verse 17, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Everybody read that scripture with me loud and proud. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
So, so the Bible, God's word, this, this, this is your sword. This is how you defend against the evil one. And, and this is how you take territory and push forward the truth, the word of God. God speaking to you. This is the life-giving truth. So let me give you a couple of pictures for a moment when we think about weapons. Picture yourself. You're a, you're, you're, you're a, you're a soldier in World War I, a Russian soldier. And now you're called to war from your, from your parents and from your siblings and from your friends and from your work or from your marriage or from your children. But, but there's a sense of, oh, all right, I, I have to go to war, but, but, but maybe there's some nationalism, all that for you. Maybe you're like, okay, I need to do this. And we're fighting for, for good, whatever is formed. But then when you get there, your, your commanding officer gives you the, the directives, the orders, and then he sends you into war without a weapon. Hang on. Into war without a weapon. What are you thinking? What? By the way, I'm not making this stuff up. Let me just, one source wrote. Some historical accounts suggest as many as one-third of Russian soldiers were sent into battle without a weapon. In the late 19, in late 1914, Russia's general headquarters reported that 100,000 new rifles were needed each month, but Russia, uh, Russian factories were capable of producing less than half this, 42,000 per month. They called up soldiers and then sent them out. Go win. And what are you thinking? I know what I'm thinking. This is insane. If, I, if I'm that guy, I mean, think, what? You're sending me to war without a weapon? I'm, I'm going to lose. I'm going to die. I can't win without a weapon. That's picture one. Picture two. Same thing. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're a soldier, a warrior. In the Russian army, World War I. You're in line, and they're handing you weapons, and the guy in front of you says, no thanks, don't need the weapon, and just moves on. What are you, what are you going to say to that guy? Whoa, 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 come here. Hey, buddy, brother, do you, have you no idea what we're doing? We're like in a war. We're in a what, everybody? War. We're, you're, not go, you're not going home. You're going to war. Buddy, get a weapon. You can't win without a weapon. Are you crazy? See, in the first place, they send you to war and don't give you a weapon. That's cruel. In the second place, a weapon's available and you don't take it. You're just crazy. Let me be blunt. God's not cruel, but we're often crazy. <laughs> God has given us a weapon, his word. He hasn't left us without a weapon. In the spiritual war. But we're crazy if we don't use it. Amen. There's better than that. Amen. That's what I'm looking for. Because this is true. Don't go into war without the weapon. And, and the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. That, that's why Paul wrote to Timothy. And when he wrote to him, he said, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Listen, if you're spiritually unresolved, I know many of you listening, maybe gathered at one of the campuses, maybe at 12 Stone Home, hanging out with some friends, and you're just listening in. Maybe you're, you're just online. You're on your own. Maybe nobody really knows what's, what's unresolved in you spiritually. And when I say, this is the word of God, this is God breathed. 
This isn't a man-made book. This, is, this isn't written by man. For, this is the Holy Spirit of God breathing, the counselor giving us life and understanding how to live life to the full. This is how the world really works. This is where we came from. This is where we go. Oh, I tell you, yeah, it's just another book. It's another religious book. I get it. I know why you'd think that way. But since your soul is what's on the line and you're bothering to listen at all, probably God's stirring you and drawing you. And at some moment, it's wise to push pause on Netflix. I mean, how many hours can you binge? <laughs> Pick up a book like The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. He wrote it like 20 years ago. He was an atheist, a journalist, who went to investigate the weirdness of Christians who follow Jesus and that book. And in the investigation discovered how compelling it really is and concluded this has to be the word of God. Go pick up a book like that and wrestle it down. Your soul is on the line. And for the rest of us who follow Christ, you're listening in. You're a part of this gathering and this experience. You're, wherever you are, they, then you join with a, with a John Wesley. Now, this is awkwardly written and said because it's from the 1700s. But I still want you to hear how he concluded. The Bible must be the invention of either good men or angels, bad men or devils, or of God. It could not be the invention of good men or angels, for they neither would or could make a book and tell lies all the time they were writing it, saying, thus saith the Lord, when it was their own invention. And it could not be the invention of bad men or devils, for they would not make a book which commands all duty, forbids all sin, and condemns their souls to hell for all eternity. Therefore, I draw this conclusion that the Bible must be given by divine inspiration. Well, you got to settle it. You got to figure out what do you believe? What do you buy into? What do you lean into? But let me just tell you this. We can learn from Jesus. From who? Jesus. When he was tempted, sent to the desert prior to his, his three years of public ministry, fasted and prayed for 40 days, and the evil one, Satan, came to him and tempted him. And what did Jesus do? How did he engage that spiritual war? He quoted the word of God. He quoted the Bible. He knew the scriptures so well. Do you? He knew this so well that Satan, who was trying to trick him up and, and take, give him half truth and half lie and mix it into one drink. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I see what you're doing. Because this is how you win. In John 10, Jesus described how false teachers come to kill, steal, and destroy. Certainly motivated by who? Satan is the evil one, our enemy, and they come along. And if you're not well-trained, giving the imagery of us being as sheep who follow the shepherd, Jesus, who know his word, who know his truth, who know his voice. So we know how to do life. We know how to think. We know what the right values are because they're godly values. We know how to do our lifestyle and you win with the word of God and the will of God, the wisdom of God. But false teachers come along. They take half truth so it starts to sound right, but then they mix it with lies and then mix it all up in the drink and then, hey, drink that in. Give that a shot. And what happens is they steal, kill, and destroy the best things in your life. Ever had anything stolen? Out of curiosity, anybody, anybody ever had anything stolen from you? Peace, bubble, bubble. Oh my gracious. Let's do it again. Just even if you're a Charleston home in here and all the campuses, put your hands up so everybody can look around and see. Wow, a bunch of us. We moved into our uh, first house in Georgia. 
uh, after we planned the church, uh, started the church, and, uh, and then we were in the apartment, and Marsha was pregnant for, for Josh, our firstborn, and we moved into our first house, and the day before we did all the heavy moving of furniture in the truck, we put all the little stuff, our clothes and knickknacks and just everything we could in the car, made several trips and, you know, put all the clothes in our, in our big closet. You know, to us, it was a big closet because we just came from a little apartment and not many options. Oh, this was amazing. So she got her side and I got my side. That was fantastic. That never happened before in our lives. And, and, and then we, you know, put all the knickknacks and everything in corners and waited. The next day, then we got the truck and we had a couple friends and helped load the truck and we were putting everything in the house the next day. And, and I... I a couple of times I had to go into my closet and, and drop something off there. And by the second time it dawned on me, what's wrong? I, none of my clothes were in the closet. That was odd. Now I know my friends, they, they'll prank. So I'm like, you know, I, you, you don't want to be, you don't want, you're already feeling foolish. You don't want to look the fool. So you're like, ha, 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 hey, hey, where'd you put my clothes? So I looked all over the house before I said anything to anybody. I couldn't find them anywhere. I mean, I had suits, several suits back in the day. I looked good. Because it was Sunday suits. We've matured since then. Freed up. <laughs> Finally, I'm calling friends. I'm like, dude, did you come in here? Did, 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 did you take my... my Marsha's clothes were there. Everything was in the house. Except... My, not a shred of my clothing. Sure, pants. So what? After two days, we finally, I finally, okay. We had a thief. Who breaks into a house and steals just my clothes? Like it became a joke in the church. All right, we're all looking for a thief. Short guy, dressed really well. I mean, who needs clothes for a 5'8 guy, honestly? I mean, so I appreciated the joke. If I had called the insurance company, they're like, what? They stole my clothes. Everybody's clothes, just mine. They don't believe you. They're like, what is seriously wrong with you? I felt so stupid, but I had no way to replace them all. Listen, you give Satan an inch and he'll steal the shirt off your back. And he will strip with false teachings the most important things in your life. See, there's a spiritual warning here, and I'm going to give it to you. This I want you to write down. If you don't practice what you believe, you will eventually believe what you practice. Absorb this. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. If you don't practice what you believe, say it with me. If you don't practice what you believe, keep going. You will eventually believe what you practice. Here's what that means. I mean, I'm sure you get it, but. If you say that the Bible is God's word, it's his wisdom, it's how I do life, it's how I understand life, it's how I make decisions in life, it gives me the framework of freedom, this is, this is how I think, this is how I set values, this is how I do my lifestyle according to the will, the wisdom, and the word of God. If you say you believe that, right, but you don't practice it, if you don't practice what you believe, if you neglect the Bible as if it's man-made, but say you believe it if it's, as if it's God-breathed, then eventually, eventually, you will believe what you practice. Eventually, having neglected God's word and been casual with it, you'll start treating, like, treating it like it's just another book. 
And pretty soon you'll believe pagan things and keep calling yourself a Christian. Because you can't even recognize that your ignorance and neglect of the wisdom and the will of God has left you believing the things you practice. This is part of what's broken our country right now. We have a Christianity that all you have to do is throw a label on yourself and therefore you are one. But the essence of Christianity is based on Christ. This is what's life-giving. It's a warning. So how do you practice it? I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. Let's get a couple practical things. The filter for truth. The Bible is what? The filter for truth. The Bible is what? The filter for truth. That, that's what the Bible has to become for you. The filter of truth. See, Jesus is living water, the water of life. Let me walk over here and show you. And I'm, if it looks like I'm slightly limping, I'm trying to do a really good job to act like I'm not. Uh, I messed up my right calf and I'm just, I'm old. I don't know what the answer is or what the excuse is. But, but here's what's going on. See this right here? This is a water filter. And in this water filter, it takes nasty pond, dirty water with all kinds of contaminants. And then it runs it through a filter, through a what? Through a filter, and then it purifies it. So it makes it life-giving. You, listen, you don't want to drink from this side. You want to drink from this side. You get that? So you live in a world that's polluted in its thinking. And you want to come over here, and you want to make sure that you filter it through the Bible, God's Word. That the, the goal of life is that you would so have the will and wisdom of God that you would be able to draw from pure truth. Now, think about how important water is to you in life. Just think about it. You can, you can live for three or four weeks without food, and then you'll die. But you can only live three to four days without water before you die. And there's only one thing more dire than water. What is it? Tell your neighbor. What is it? What do you need? Right. Cell phone. <laughs> you can only go three to four minutes without your cell phone. And then you literally die. Some people thought it was oxygen fools <laughs> we'll give you a thought before you drink in the world's thinking listen before you drink in the world's thinking the world's values and the world's lifestyle filter it through God's word that's all we're saying that's it. this could look a little hokey I got to get a picture for us. So, so here's the dirty water. Here's the contaminated water. Here's, and this is this world's thinking, values, and lifestyle. And they're telling you, drink up. <laughs> and you're getting this on social media. You're getting this at educational institutions. You're getting it from your friends. You're getting it from TV. You're getting it through music. You're, oh, this, this, is a, this is the great life. This is the fun. Drink it in. Drink it in. Drink it in. And it affects how you think and how you live it. Drink it in. All we're saying is this. You take a filter. A what? And I wrote on it, Bible, in case anybody got confused. You just, you take a filter. This is what 
followers of Christ do. And you put the filter on the world's thinking, values, and lifestyle. Before you ever drink in, you filter first. So that the word of God can filter out the contaminants, the lies that will undo your quality of life. Yeah? And what is the world saying? I'll just drink up. This is not some silly, cheesy illustration. I came from a very broken home. And I wondered, how do you ever get a life since our family said we're Christians? Because as that is as good as it gets, there's no hope on earth. And when I was a teenager in high school, I remember begging God, this has got to be a better life than what we're living. What is wrong? Because if this is it, this is hopeless. And he didn't use this illustration, but the equivalent that something your family keeps drinking from this bottle without this filter. You want the life I offer? Get your head and your heart in the word. Filter everything through it. This is personal. If this doesn't get practical, you'll never live transformed. See, I've raised a generation of millennials. And now my Gen X will be done with high school this year. I get it as a parent. That identity has been stolen from your generation and told you that you are not created in the image of God. That you are not sons and daughters of the living God that can be restored through Jesus. And that you are not warriors for the kingdom of God. And it's an absolute lie. You keep drinking that in and you will be a lost generation with no clarity. No place to find your identity. And you'll follow the world's system and it will undo your life. Filter it through the word of God and you'll discover you were created in the image of God. He will restore you as a son and daughter of the living God. And you are a warrior for the kingdom. Your life has purpose and meaning and it's rooted in Jesus. That's who you are. Who you are designed to be. This filter matters. When you try to figure out how do you do a dating life and what are the boundaries and wisdom to make that relationship work? What does a covenant mean? How do you build marriage? Marsha and I, how do we, how do we go build marriage? Because I come from a really broken place. And we needed the Bible to filter that for us. In, on Valentine's Day, we're jumping into a new series together, and it's on marriage. Now, the values and the principles are going to apply to all relationships, so everybody's going to benefit. doesn't matter if you're single, married, divorced, remarried. doesn't matter where you are in the scope of it all. You're going to learn something. We're going to deal with seven practices that make relationships work. Literally seven practices that make your marriage better than your honeymoon. Where does it come out of taking the world's philosophy and filtering it through the word of God so that you know how do you actually build a marriage? Do you know the seven practices? That's why we're encouraging you. Go online, get, get Amazon.com and get the book. Why? So that you can have the second happy book ahead of it so that by the time we get to the series and launch it, you can get the seven practices. And I don't make anything on the book. I give everything back to 12 Self Vision 2021. Don't worry about that. It's like, oh, is he all hawking this book? No, don't even care. But you, we, we need God's word. Oh my gracious, what are we doing without the wisdom of God? How could you possibly know how to experience life to the full without it? Man, don't drink the world in. How do you handle money? Don't drink in the world's philosophy. 
their values? How do you treat other people? Don't drink in the world's values. How do you navigate this political chaos and instability and where we go next? Well, we've been offering a unity prayer. I, I've watched on January 21st. Pastor Jason Berry led our prayer time, began to pray, taking the invitation of scripture to pray over leaders in our country. A fellow brother who sits on the more conservative Republican right side of the equation in his perspectives and, and just come broken before the Lord. I got to join in the prayer of unity. I got to pray for people I didn't vote for. I got to figure out how to navigate this world and be Christ above everything else. Christ above everything else. The kingdom of God is the bigger kingdom. I watched that humble investment to pray. I, I got texted and shared with me. It. There is a uh, young African-American, 20-something uh, young lady, 12 Stone, who posted this. And with permission, of course, she's already posted it. She wrote, I, Dominique, repent for Falling to one side of the problem. I repent for idolizing the Democratic Party at one point in my life. I repent for further causing division by sharing propaganda that only leans to one party. I will not bow to the constant pull of nationalism. I will not bow to the pull of hatred. I will take my pain to the Father instead of letting it take on a root of bitterness that will end up spewing out and defiling mine and many lives. I will not bow to the pull of glorifying my race over my kingdom ethnicity where we are a variety of beautiful colors and backgrounds, but only one race, a heavenly seed, a chosen race, a holy nation, the global bride of Christ. Amen. Wow. Good for you. How did she do that? Instead of drinking in the world, she put the filter of the Bible. Well, in other words, what she did is she walked over here and she said, you know what? I, I'm getting all sorts of, of ideas and thoughts from the world. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to filter it through the word of God. And I'm going to make sure that the thing I drink, I know you want some. Oh, it's the life-giving truth of God. That's pretty good. So let me ask you, what are you drinking? Right? Isn't that a fair question? What, what, what are you drinking? Practically, it means you worship every week. We don't do this for no reason. Every week we gather and we teach from what? The Bible, God's Word. That's why we're not casual about this on the weekend. It means every week you read the Bible, even if it's just every two to three days. And go put 30 minutes in. Put a pause on Netflix or, or, or Amazon Prime. Put a pause on whatever you're watching. And go put 30 minutes into the word of God. Every time you have to make a decision, put the filter of God's word on it. If you don't know how to find that in scripture, then e email your campus pastor. Say, man, can you tell me where in scripture? I need the wisdom and the will of God. This is why we're in small group. This is why we're in 12 stone home. This is why we gather because we have the wisdom and the will of God. It is the weapon that helps us win. Let me give you the second. If the first is the filter for truth, the second is stand firm with God. Stand firm with God. That's how Ephesians 614 states it. Paul says, now you got to stand firm. All is said and done. Now you got to stand. 
firm. You do not waver to the peer pressure of this world. And that peer pressure is real. To stand firm is to obey. It's to follow fully. It's to stand with God. Listen, Satan is a bully. And he will bully you until you bow to the world system. And if you don't, you will not be popular or celebrated. You will be mocked and ridiculed. That's the deal. That's the war. So stand firm. I don't have time to unpack the next thought I had over the Apostle Peter and how he said I would stand firm and then fell and denied Christ. And you think, oh, he's all good. And yet, when he was the lead apostle, he did it again. He cowered to peer pressure. We're all under peer pressure. And understand this. There is a sense in which we have a shared fear over the rejection that comes when we don't join the crowd. You cannot be owned by that. It's why you need the word of God. It's why we need each other. It's the only hope for us and the world. And when Satan bullies you to get you to bow. Well, let me say it this way. I learned a little something. In those five years on Mason Street. I learned. That Johnny Schultz was bigger than me. And he could win. But I also learned that Tommy Breen. Was bigger than Johnny. And as long as I was with Tommy Breen. Johnny was defeated. And so I hung around Tommy Breen. My friend. A lot. And he always whooped Johnny. Let me tell you something. Satan is bigger than you. He is. But God is bigger than Satan. And if you hang with him, church, come on, you hang with God, he fights for you. Hmm. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. So obey his word. Be with him. In 2021, start new habits. Before you drink the world's thinking values or lifestyle, filter it through God's word. And once you know the truth, stand with God. So I want to pray over you. I want the campus pastors to pray over you. And as they do, I want you to know something. That's the first of two weapons. Next week, we'll pick up the second weapon that God has given us. Campus pastors, pray over us, will you? Let me pray for us right here. Father. Oh, in your kindness and your mercy and your grace, you not only gave us Jesus, which is stunning and unexplainably kind and merciful beyond words. But Lord, you gave us the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And then you gave us your word and your word guides us right now. There are brothers and sisters, men and women. And, and I pray you would make a commitment to God. God, this year, this is the year for me to get in your word. 
Right now, God, I set my heart before you and I declare, I say it to you now casually. I say, God, I got to get in your word. I've been neglecting it. I've been drinking stuff in from the world without filtering it. I never thought about it. God, you are awakening me to the war and you're awakening me to the weapon. God, I agree right now with you. I pick up that weapon this year. I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to push pause on life, pause on Netflix, pause on activities. I'm wasting time more ways than I can explain. Oh, gracious God, I will get into your word. And before I drink in this world, I will filter it with your word. And as I do, give me the grace and courage to obey. And in that, fight for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.